the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am supposedly Spud, Spud Goodman. <laughs> Spud Goodman. <laughs> Welcome to our ongoing radio experiment, i.e., this show. I feel I have a pretty decent one lined up for you, and I don't use the word decent often. I mostly prefer to go with, you know, not too shabby or not that bad or even it's nothing to be embarrassed about. I'm going to leave it up to you, the listener, to make the final call on how this one turns out. At least for now, though, I'm going to take a risk and predict it's going to be pretty decent. Yeah. So moving on, I also would like to give a shout out to a neighbor in my apartment building, Ed, I promised I would at least say his name as I still owe him a couple burgers, fries, and a shake. You know, I, I, I sort of swiped his Grubhub order a while ago, and I, I now also owe him a case of beer. I, I didn't drink all those at once. It, it's been over a few months because, I, you know, I, I drop by and he offers me a beer or two. And, yeah, I, I drop by a lot. So a quick mention of Ed's name is the least I can do and a lot cheaper than buying him a case of beer. That is messed up, yo. Thanks, Ed. Okay, now I need to introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. How about a quick snicker? I can handle that, I think. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, it was okay. Hmm. Maybe a little understated, but it'll do. Um, Hmm. Now I must acknowledge our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, How about a a quick high five rather than a verbal response? It'll be, you know, quick and and less intrusive than anything you might mutter on the air. Go ahead. I'm ready to respond physically to your high five. I I may not reciprocate with the same, you know, exact enthusiasm as your high five, but I'll meet your hand up high and not go with the, you know, psych option and leave you hanging with your hand held high in anticipation. Go ahead. Let's get this over with. Well, I, I, I would never turn down an opportunity to high-five you, Spud. As, I know, I Well, know. you know, most of the time, you do choose to toy with me, and you, you go with that psych option, as you call it. Right. it. It's very embarrassing to go through that in public. I, I won't lie. A few times, I, I've shed a few tears in private. Stop being weak! Well, as you well know, it, it's always an option for me, so... Why would you try and high-five me so often, then? You well, know that's like- always a possibility. I, I would think you would know by now. I, I just do not feel comfortable touching others without some sort of protection. You know, if I have a glove handy, I would not be opposed to this <laughs> frivolous activity. Right now, though, I am willing to take the risk germ-wise if that will satisfy you and we can get this show going without, you know, without having to hear you drone on about some topic that only you and maybe a family member or two would be interested in. Yes! Spud is right, Gerald. A high five would be the best choice, if that will stop you from blabbering on about who knows what. Blabbering? I don't don't blabber. Blah, blah, blah. 
I would just like the opportunity to address the many listeners who tune into this show to hear what I have to contribute. You know, I'm a very important part of this. I am a very important part of this program, even if you both do not realize it. Okay, everyone is entitled to their opinion, just not their own facts. Look, alternative facts are not facts. Yeah, on that note, I wanted to discuss on the show something that, you know, I've never really given much thought to. I, I mean, I plan to live until I'm around 105 or so. Uh, you know, they say 105 is the new 92. Excellent. But anyway, I was thinking of doing a living will, as I don't have any will at this point. And, uh, I mean, why not a living will? It, it sounds better than a regular old dead will. A living will. You, you know, I suppose that would be okay for you, but are you saying you don't currently have any will at all? Because, well, well, I thought you said on the show you already had a list of yeah. who was going to get your worldly possessions when your uh, time came. Well, I, I did write down a bunch of stuff on a, thought, on a yeah. few post-it notes, but I never had them notarized or whatever they do to make them you know, legal. But I, I saw know. this segment on Fox News you know, the other day. They, they were talking about these living wills, and it sounded like the way to go. Well... You know what? It, it's great to hear that you're watching my favorite channel, Fox, Sean Hannity. You think we're bad for America? You think yeah. I'm and bad for America? Laura Ingram and, yeah, and, and the rest of the crew, they're all awesome. They yeah. really well, try listen, to put I out... Thought, I thought, you know, I mean, for one thing, it's clear on that issue that we, we still have a, such a divided studio. Uh, well. But it was a mistake, and I, I didn't know what I was watching until I was done you know, with the segment. Uh, hopefully I didn't help them out in the ratings. Fair and balanced. It's who we are. Anyway, a living will is so much better as it gives you choices, you know, while you're still breathing. The old-fashioned wills only kick in when you stop breathing. Well, call me old school, but I don't want to take any more decisions about what happens to my stuff. That's why I had a will drawn up, and now it's all taken care of. Yeah, but with a living will, according to the program I was watching, you can legally force others, you know, to let you go out on your own terms. I don't want some EMT who's, who's had a long day let me die just because he assumes a 105-year-old dude you know, would rather would prefer not to be resuscitated. <laughs> I want to live. I want to be resuscitated. You know, and if that means being on feeding tubes and being unconscious for a few extra years, so be it. Oh, my. Because you know, they say a person can still hear others when they're in a coma. In my living will, I will be ordering them to like always have HBO on in my room. Maybe not, you know, every program, you know, on HBO is great, but most of the stuff they have is is pretty darn decent, right? It's going to at least kill some time for me. Good call, yo. Well, you know, I do know how important TV is to you, Spud, so I get it. But what about your quality of life? You would be... Hey, you let me worry about my quality of life. Right now, I'm in the mood for some music. So here's a tune from Mike Elliott and Bud Latour titled Rock Me Jerry Lewis. Hit it. Ooh, 
1926, New Jersey, March 16th. Jerry Lewis is born in Newark. 1946, at the age of 20, Jerry Lewis meets Dean Martin for the first time. 1949, Martin and Lewis star in their first film, My Friend Irma. 1956, Martin and Lewis release Hollywood or Bust, then split up. 1963, on his own, Lewis stars in The Nutty Professor. 1973, Lewis chooses Las Vegas as the home for the MDA telethons. Labor Day, three years later, Frank Sinatra reunites Martin and Lewis live on the telethon. In 1986, for no apparent reason, Mike Elliott and Bud Latour record... Rock me, Jerry Lewis! Rock, rock, rock me, Jerry Lewis! Jerry This is a Spud Goodman Show. This is a Spud Goodman Show. Hey, it's your man JB Smooth. I don't give a damn about no damn Spud. What grown man named Spud any damn way? I'm just saying in general. Listen to him if you want to. Um, I don't listen to his ass. I don't give a damn about his ass. I don't know him. Don't listen to him. Give a damn if you listen to him. Uh, Spud, your first guest, Emilio Rivera, is waiting to speak with you. Now, he is a member of that Mayans Motorcycle Club you were talking about, right? I said he plays a character, Marcus Alvarez, who's the head of the Mayans Motorcycle Club on a TV show, Mayans MC. He was really good on the Sons of Anarchy, you know, that, that gave birth to his new show. Oh, you mean you mean he played the same character on another show? I'm gonna beat the holy hell out of one of you. Jeez, Gerald, everyone knows about the Sons of Anarchy. I never missed it myself. Now I watch Emilio on the spinoff, and it's a good show. I know you, you know, usually are glued to the Hallmark Channel, but you should check it out. Well, I'm not real comfortable around motorcycles because they are so darn loud. I guess I could watch an episode with the sound down. I, that's uh, frankly offensive. Right. Just put Emilio through, please. Here he is. Please say hello to actor Emilio Rivera. Uh, we appreciate you checking in with us. I'm glad to be part of the show, brother. Yeah. So, so your program, Mayans MC on FX, is airing Tuesdays at 10, 9 central. Now, full disclosure, it is now one of my favorite new shows this year. And it just, it just you know, keeps getting better each week. I appreciate that, brother. It's going to get even better now. It's going to get darker. You're going to dig it, man. Huh? Thank uh, you for watching. 
Yeah. Well, you continue to play the character Marcus Alvarez from your prior series on FX, Sons of Anarchy, the parent of uh, Mayans MC. Man, it, it was must-see TV. My, my buddy TJ and I never missed an episode. It, it looks like you're going to be spending you know, more time over the coming years on a bike. Not a bad way to earn a living. You know what? I ride anyway, brother, so it's, it's the perfect way to earn a living. You know, I'm having a time of my life right now, bro. Thank you for, for that. Yeah. You know, we had Opie or Ryan Hurst on the show a couple years ago, and he said he didn't have, you know, much contact with motorcycles prior to doing the show, but but learned on the job. How much training did real bikers have to do to get some of the actors up to speed? You know, uh, I've been riding since I was 14 years old, so I came in already riding, but uh, a lot of the guys, because they have, we go to Harley-Davidson, and they really, they're really uh, serious about how they teach the people, and within two weeks, you already have your license, bro, and they're really pretty extended skin on the road. And uh, working it out by yourself, you know. But uh, they, they keep it very safe, man. Like before we started doing us uh, Mayans, a few guys didn't know how to ride it. Uh, we'd be in the back lot, and uh, they'd be training them over and over and over again. And uh, it started really slow. And then after a while, like you know, after we get in the street two weeks later, you're ready to go, man. You want to get on the street, you know? Yeah, I was, I was curious. I, I, during the shoot, has, did anybody ever dump their bike ever on, on purpose? Yeah, not uh, on purpose. Pretty, pretty much, uh, pretty much all the time. You know, I, you know, more so on Suns. Uh, than it was on Mayans, because uh, nobody wants to dump their bike. You know, I'm talking about it's like a big thing. Everybody talks about it. It's kind of funny, uh, but it's part of the game, man. It, it happens, you know. You get excited, you forget which one's the throttle, you know. But uh, it happens. Uh, uh, also, another thing on the bike thing that crossed my mind: Did some of the actors ever say, "Hey, I don't like, I don't like a, like a, a shield, a windshield on my bike, or I don't like this, you know, particular model"? Or Does, do you get your pick of bikes, or do they, or what they give you? you? We get to pick our bikes. You know, Kurt let me design most of the bikes. You know what I mean? Which was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, the windshield is not a good thing, bro. I mean, a fairing is cool, but you don't want a windshield on a bike that doesn't have, supposed to have a, um, a windshield. I mean, a windshield is one thing; a fairing is a different thing. You know what I mean? Two different things, but. Um, yeah, most of the time you don't want a windshield on your bike, man. All right, yeah, I, I'm just curious. Hey, did did any of your friends outside of showbiz bug you during the run of Sons of Anarchy about spilling the beans on upcoming scripts, like what was going to happen to you or Jax or Tig? You know, most shows are now more paranoid about script security than the NSA. <laughs> you know, uh, no, all the time, brother. I still get it nowadays, but uh, you know, the thing is that we have these signing NDAs on non-disclosures and. Uh, and if you do say something, you can lose your job. You know, if they can kill you. We're on a show that you can die at any time, you know. So yeah. it's just better to keep your mouth shut, you know. Yeah. It's better to keep your mouth shut. But do, do, do people ever but, uh, bug you, though, like friends or family saying, hey, what's what's really going to happen or anything like that? Has that ever come down? All, all the time. And what I do, I just I just give them a different storyline. It's my own storyline. You know what I'm talking about? I can't talk about the real storyline because I get in trouble for it, you know. Right. And right. I, so, yeah, I, always, I will always sidetrack you somewhere else, you know. Ooh, a disinformation campaign. Very, very uh, CIA-like. I like that. All right, super. Uh, excuse me, Spud. What? But, but don't you think I should get some credit for my ability to keep everything about this show confidential? I have never disclosed show secrets to anyone outside of this studio. Hey, Emilio, just a sec. How do I know that's true? That's just your word. We don't have you under surveillance 24-7. For all I know, you could be divulging all sorts of classified information to your wife and kids. Everyone here in the studio knows Gerald has a big mouth. What? And, and yeah, and I know that you would spill the beans if ever you were allowed access to important show information. Hmm. You know, loose lips sink ships and only a fool would trust him. I resent that. Sorry. I am, well, I'm highly trustworthy. Sure, my wife and kids are always asking what is Spud really like or 
you know, who's sleeping with who here in the studio, but I never crack, ever. Why do you think we never give you a copy of the show schedule before we go on the air? I don't know. I will not allow my intellectual properties to be at risk, so you will continue to be on the don't ask, don't tell list, all right? Now let me get back to Emilio. All right, I've returned. How you doing, Spud? All right, super. Well, now you weren't a child <laughs> actor, having you know gotten into showbiz a little later. What was your first gig, yeah. and did you decide right away that it beat a regular job for sure? Oh, for sure. You know, uh, my first actual professional, I studied for two years before I got my first job. I did a lot of theater, stand-up comedy, uh-huh. skit comedy. But my, my first uh, professional job was uh, a show called Renegade. Uh, ironically, it was a biker show with you know, Renzo Lamas on it, you know what I'm talking right. about? Yeah. So it was a, that was my first TV show. And, uh, so, and, you know, it was really weird, man, because that first gig I got, it was a pretty big gig, you know. And uh, so I'm thinking, man, this is this is a life, you know. I had a big old trailer and I'm yeah. cool. They treated me well. And, and then, you know, it's those, they found out they were, they were far and in between, you know what I mean? But then after four years of acting, I, it, I was able to quit the day job, man, and uh, it worked out for me, you know. I was really blessed. Yeah. Well, you, you did do some stand-up comedy, right? How is that? I had a great time. I did it for like, I did it for about, you know, regularly for like about eight years, you know, but then I started working so much after four years that I would, I slowed it down because I didn't have to travel as much, you know, and uh, I had fun, but then it, it kind of like burned it out, man. you know, like I really burned it out real quick, you know, hmm. it was, um, everything seemed like nothing seemed, this, everything seemed the same, you know, you knew where you're going to get your laugh, you know, this and this traveling, I didn't dig after a while, you know, still now, I mean, I'm older now, I just want to, I'm just pretty much a homebody, bro, you know. Yeah, I just like to do my job and just go home. I hear that totally. Uh, well, you know, you you've done many major studio movies over the years. Uh, you know, acting with Tom Cruise, Keanu Reeves, Jamie Foxx, and also one of my favorites, Danny Trejo. Uh, you know, he always makes a movie better. Yeah. So I, <laughs> right, right. He, and not only that, he, and I've known Danny for twenty five years. And when I first got in the game, it was just pretty much me and him with the real street guys that were coming into the business. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so me and Danny were very great. And then we have the same agent. We're just, you know, we're like family, man, you know? Well, I'm guessing the pace of film is a lot slower than television. So, uh, you know, on the on the plus side, th- th- with a lot of downtime on movie sets, it's all the free food with craft services. Because if it was me, I-, I would pray for production <laughs> delays or I might even cause a few myself, you know? <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's, it's kind of, but, you know, after you do it so long, after a while, you try to stay away from crafty. You know, I remember I did a show called Jag back in the day. And we were on it for like about 12 days. And I remember... Uh, and, and I remember that uh, I had started and I was like about 180 and by the 12th day I was like about 195 bro you could see the difference in the screen you know what I'm talking about so you gotta stay away from captain you know but that's about you so much of it you just kind of it becomes get away from it you know I know you know it's free food, though, man. I don't, it's my, which my I, weakness, man. I, hey, bro, who you? I'm a donut guy. I'm a donut and uh, cookie guy, bro. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right yeah. Well, now you have done a bit of public speaking to a younger audience, uh, presenting your background and detailing how you made choices that maybe you regret now, and that, and that people can overcome the past and achieve their dreams. This has got. This has been. I, I got to believe very rewarding for you, right? And that's why I think I'm still alive, brother. You know, I've been through. I, I, well, you know, I, I I put myself in a lot of this stuff when I was growing up, and uh, and now I just tell the kids, you know, like uh, I've seen people like you know people get in the gang, and and six months later they spend the rest of their life think, how do I get out of the gang in good standing? And you don't, you know what I mean? So why even do it? You know, uh, it's really uh, it's uh, it's it's dark. I've lost 40 guys over my, you know, 44 of my guys over the years when I was involved with you know the streets, you know. So 
it's sad. It's uh, and nobody at the end of the day, nobody really cares about you but your family, man. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. I know a lot of guys in prison that uh, had a lot of good friends in the streets, but they're not there no more. Whether they're, they're locked up, you know. So leave it alone. I hear that. All right. But that's why I think I'm still alive, brother, to, to tell the story. You know. Well, thank thank you for that. Um, all right. Well, let me hit you with the last question. If you ran a movie studio or TV network, what would be the first thing you would do on day one? And from what I've read, most people in those jobs aren't always around on day fourteen or fifteen. It's a, you know they get canned. So I just anything you might do. What do you mean? What was what was the question again? Well, Sorry? if you if you ran a movie studio or TV network, what would be the first thing that you would do on day one? Is there anything you know that you might give a you green know, light to? You know, I would to? do what Spike Lee does. You know, I worked with Spike Lee uh, a few times over the years, and you know what he does, man. You know, if he gets the cast and the crew. And we all go play softball together, huh. and, you know, and it creates a bond because everybody loves softball, everybody loves baseball. It's a you know American pastime, and that's what he would do. And then after we ha- we do that, you know, we just have a lot of fun. Then he take us all out to a nice dinner, and then when we got to work for the first day, it was like a, we were a family. And I, I never forget those times, you know. Man, everyone would love you as a as a studio chief, head guy. Wow. I mean, you know, if I was put in that position, I would order four or five Sons of Anarchy feature films and a few more spinoffs on TV, but that's just me. But, all right. Well, I know you got to hey, oh, go. Well, you're even better than me then. You know? yeah. I'm going to order eight, eight seasons of Mayans right now, brother, you know? Well, there you got it. All right. Well, I know you got to go. So let me remind everyone that Mayans MC airs each Tuesday night at 10, 9 central. Hey, man, uh, we, we really appreciate you doing this, okay? I appreciate you guys, my brother. Take, you guys have a great day. Too. Take care. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. This ain't government cheese, it's Spud. Goodman. Baby left me for another guy. She dug in because he had a meth lab in that tub of wine. Trailer down the street. He had a meth lab in that trailer down the street. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, you know, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, if you do a living will, uh, Spud. Can I ask, what would you want your friends to do with all of your old TV shows, uh, you know, your old radio shows, everything that you've had here when you're in that coma or vegetative state? Uh, do we just air, like, reruns on the stations that currently carry the show? Um, I, I haven't thought about that. I, I, I guess the show must go on, and even if I'm a bit out of it. My fans will expect to hear my show regardless of my situation. So yeah, a rerun isn't as good as a new show, but it's better than nothing. Well, I I would like you to make a note in your living will that if you should slip into that incoherent state where all you could do is mumble or make guttural sounds, I would make myself available to fill in if need be. Hell will freeze over. Of course... Uh... It would still be the Spud Goodman show, don't get me wrong, but maybe I could have the title of uh, temporary permanent guest host. How does that sound? (laughs) Horrible. That will never happen as long as I have not flatlined for good. Well, Oh, I agree with you, Spud. Gerald, you would destroy the Spud Goodman show brand in seconds if you were to be the guest host. 
Yes. Why would you say that, Mrs. Jarvitz? You know, oh, why well, indeed? Oh, I'm the logical successor if and when the time comes. Not right, so don't I, get me you wrong. You guys don't really need to get into that. Well, I, listen, I'm not looking forward to that moment. Yeah, I hope but not. when Spud is hooked up to life-sustaining equipment and is incoherent, listen, that would be a very sad day. But you know, it's the circle of life. That circle of life is why I'm going with a living will. I don't trust anyone but me while I'm still around. You know, I know I don't want you for sure in charge of pulling the plug on me. You're my kid brother. You take care of me. Spud, I would never pull the plug on you, no matter how much of a vegetable you were. I don't want any damn vegetables. I would be able to reject the advice of others that might jump into the debate and plead with me to show some mercy and, and just let you go in peace. I'm not so sure kicking the bucket is that peaceful. How does anyone really know? I think peace is overrated. You know, I would like to make that call myself. Well, I'm glad that you and I have had our talk in regards to my will. As one of my family members still around, I didn't want to burden you with a long to-do list when my time I, comes, Spud. I know, I appreciate uh, that. Well, I'm trying to help, and that's why I made sure there were funds directed at hiring a crew to load up my belongings and take them right to the city dump after the funeral. Yeah, but... Well, that way no one will have to go through all my possessions and determine what's worth keeping and what is junk. I know I'm very tired of having to make decisions of what relative gets what property. Any, Meany. Miney. Mo. I mean, yeah, I do appreciate it, Aunt Dorothy, but... As I've told you more than once, I think sending all your possessions to the dump is a mistake, as you have some pretty cool stuff. Well, I did put in writing that you do get my record collection. Right. Well, except for my 45s. Those are going well, to my paper boy. You know, he's such a sweet little kid. He's okay, but do you really think he'll appreciate those 45s? Oh, maybe. I actually have a bunch of those adapters you put in the middle to play them on turntables. That kid's never even seen a turntable. Well, I think it's a sweet gesture to leave something in your will for the paper boy. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Stay out of this, dude. This is a family oh, matter. Oh, my. Well, I, I'm just saying that the little fella will always remember your aunt whenever he plays one of those 45s. No need to make this into, you know, another sappy Hallmark Channel movie, okay? That little fella strikes me as someone who'll toss them out at his parents' next yard sale. Oh. I know I would treasure them until I do slip into that coma. Um, I think it'd be actually... But right now, I need to change the subject... And play some music. Here is a tune from one of the Northwest's greatest bands, Mud Honey, with Suck You Dry. Hit it, please.
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, yes. your next guest, George Wallace, is holding for you. Okay, cool. If you didn't know George, um, I don't know if you're aware of who he is, but he's one of the st- you know top stand-up comedians around. And, I-, I don't know if you know this, he's Jerry Seinfeld's best friend. I did not know that. What are you people? On dope? Well, I've always enjoyed George. I've seen him live in a comedy club before, even. Very funny man. Well, yep, he, he is. Maybe I should join in this conversation as George and I have something in common as we're both stand-up comedians, huh, Spud? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can call yourself a stand-up comedian just because you've done a few open mic nights. Did you ever get paid? Yeah, well, on one occasion, I did get comped an order of nachos, and I had a half-price 7-Up. And ah. I left that cafe a very proud man. If you know how I feel, why would you say that? Well, free nachos. Oh, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, maybe if they tossed in like a, a free order of onion rings, a full order, you might have a case. Just put George through, man. Here he is. Say hello to comedian George Wallace. Welcome to our show. Hey, Spud. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty damn good, actually. Um, let me say that you are now beginning a residency at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino for our listeners at Las Vegas Public Radio and, and for people you know in other parts of the country and the world visiting for a few days of fun. They can find you performing Tuesday through Thursday. Hey, that, that's Barry Manilow's home too, right? I wonder how many times he's saying Mandy there. Do you know? Well, listen to me. I am uh, actually Tuesday through Saturday, which became so popular, Ooh. I had to expand the dates. So it's now Tuesday through Saturday. You come to the Westgate in Las Vegas, and there's nothing but fun. People are coming from everywhere. I don't know what's going on, but I'm blessed. I have a residency. You know, I was here before. I came for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and it turned into 10 years. And then I went away to do some movies. I did a movie with Morgan Freeman and, a, and a, a Cat Williams. And I've just been busy. I did a yeah. Law and Order two months, two months ago. And they call me back to go uh, do more law and order. So life is really good, but uh, Las Vegas is really crazy. You know, we got the we got the Raiders coming here. Yeah, it's going to be a thousand dollars. It's been a thousand dollars to see a hockey team. Can you believe that? Yeah, thousand dollars to see hockey. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but uh, oh, by the way, before I forget, say hi to Barry for me. But all right, so let me let me ask you this: You know, with this residency, you're gonna take a hit on your air miles upside. You know, not as many shows each. You know, t- Thursday through Saturday in cities across the country, but downside, not as many fun trips to like Butte, Montana, or Texarkana, Texas, with the free tickets. What was your best year in racking up miles? Like a billion? Oh, about, about a billion and a half. I was I was on the plane every day. I lived there. You now people ask me where do I live? I said United and Delta every day. That's where I am. But but believe it or not, I've already got 119,000 miles in, but just on Delta alone this year. Wow. So. On weekends, I have to fly back to New York. I fly. I go everywhere. You know, Hong Kong. I just love traveling in uh, Macau. So, travel is good. But it's good to be in Las Vegas for the residents. Got a beautiful showroom with George Wallace Cabaret, and everything is happening at the Westgate. You know, Barry Manilow is in that next room, and uh, it's just a lot of fun being here. You know, when you come to Vegas, it's eating and it's it's uh, the shows. It's just different. I don't know what it is. 
that's different about Vegas. You just go crazy when you get here. Yeah, I know. That's been my problem. Uh, well, well, George, you're the comedian's comedian. Someone, you know, to the greats of stand-up will, will come and see or, or hang out with. As a, you know, as a rule, comedians are a tough audience, so you clearly are gifted humor-wise. A skill you were born with or had to develop? Uh, I think I was born with it. I wanted to be a comedian since I was six years old. As a man, his name was Red Skelton. Oh, yeah. You might have been. Uh, there was Red Skelton, there was Red Buttons, and there was... Uh, Red, uh, Fox. Red Fox. Yeah. And I, think it, and I wrote for Red Fox. Yeah. So I just... I just love doing stand-up, and, and all the comedians. My show is like Vegas, like it used to be. Chris Tucker, Chris Rock, Seinfeld, of course. Anybody that's in town, uh, 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 Kathleen Madigan. They all stop at my show, and you just never know what's going to happen. Well, it's just, it's just a, Vegas, like it used to be. Speaking of Jerry, he, you've been best buddies with him for years, and I, I mean, you were his best man at his wedding, right? He's an idiot. Jerry Seinfeld is an idiot. I've been trying to get rid of him for 42 years. Can you believe that? Huh. Well, let me ask you, you know, this. I'm the real George. I'm the real George. I was uh, his roommate for 13 years, like you said. I was best man at his wedding, and now I'm the father of his kids. So we're, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Well, when you guys are driving around, I know you did an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, but but off camera, does does Jerry offer nonstop observations about stuff like to the point of giving you a headache? Because people often complain about my inability to stop commenting on dumb stuff. It gets on their nerves. Well, I don't have to talk about dumb stuff. That's that's my job. We drive around. We we love each other because we like writing jokes and seeing up, you know, just observing and seeing stupid stuff. Like he told me that he's going to build him a new house and he's going to build it from the ground up. And I told him that that's probably the best way to start building that house, too, because if you start with the roof, you're going to run into some problems. So we have laughed in everything we do, and that's our job. Anything in the news, anything we see on the street, we just love to make a joke about it. It's all about laughing. Well, you, you know, you worked in the in the comedy store in L.A. during its heyday in the 80s, sharing the stage with Richard Pryor, Rodney Dangerfield, Robin Williams, among others. Uh, Who did you look up to and uh, might have, you know, influenced your career when you were in working then, back then? Oh, my God. Of course, Richard Pryor and, of course, uh, uh, Robin, we all worked together. And Mom, even Mom maybe going back in the day, and like I said, Red Fox, uh, I look up to everybody, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, we all still work together. We all still work together. Now, unfortunately, the names you mentioned, they all hung out in the back of the store because that's where they did the smoking and they did the sniffing. Yeah. And so, but there were, there were Jay Leno and David Letterman and Wallace and Seinfeld. We hung out, Gary Shannon, we were in the front of the store. So we were not in that in crowd in the back, Sam Kenneth and Robin Williams, Richard Pryor. Uh, we were not in that crowd, but we were up front. They were the blue comedians. We were the clean comedians up front. Spud. Well, I can so relate to what George just said. I, too, feel like there are two rooms here in this radio studio. You know, the cool guys like you, your Aunt Dorothy, Trevor, our engineer, Dave, our audio director, Jay, our video director, and even Chance, our intern. All of you hang out, and I'm always in another room, not knowing what's going on, as I'm never invited to participate in your fellowship. Uh, George, I need a moment here. Fellowship? Yeah. All we do is we hang out here at work, okay? It's no big deal. Maybe you have been excluded. I'll cop to that. Big deal. Are you going to whine about that again? There is a reason the cool people, most everyone here at the station, hang out together. We don't judge each other. Oh, okay. Well, maybe Spud does, but he is the host of the show, you know. 
Are you saying I make people feel uncomfortable by being judgmental? Well... I don't do that. Yes, you do. I am uncomfortable right now. Just let me finish up the interview with George, all right? Okay, I'm back. All right. Well, you know, in 2006, you were considering a run for mayor of Las Vegas, uh, from what I understand. The, the thought of a stand-up comedian as a mayor, or, or even president, is now way more plausible, I could say. So, I mean, a comedian's way higher on the, you know, showbiz food chain than a reality show host. So, any regrets, you know, looking back that you decided against doing it? You know, I think I'll say stupid stuff on stage, and people take it for granted. People think it's true. I'm going to run for mayor just because I see something stupid. Like, if I were mayor... You've been to Las Vegas, right? Yep. Yes, I have. First thing I'm going to do is kidnap, I'm going to kidnap that monorail and put it in the middle of the strip where it's supposed to be. Who the hell is going to put a monorail on the back side of the strip? Who the, the people do stupid stuff here. It should run from the airport all the way to Canada. They just do stupid stuff here. Huh? And now they got, the, they got marijuana now, and we got the sporting teams coming here. So with that marijuana, everybody's going to take a knee. So it's just crazy. Well, uh, I seriously think you've got a lot of ideas. I think you should reconsider someday, just someday. I know you got the, the residency now, but I just... Uh, well, I would like to because it seems like we're making so much money on marijuana. we got gambling, and we got the second worst school system in the world. Now, how the hell is that happen? No school teacher should ever pay money out of their pocket to for, for school supplies. See, I could run for governor just on three things and make it, you know? I would have voted for you. All right. All right. All right. I, I know you got a scoot, so let me, let me remind our listeners that you are now beginning a residency at the Westgate Resort Casino in Las Vegas. Show information is available at their website. Um, just, you know, I want to say thanks so much for checking in with us. Well, I want to thank you for talking to me. I'm George Wallace. I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. All right. There you have it, Mr. George Wallace. Don't talk with your mouth full. Remember that. Practically everybody was told that at least once as a child. Some of us more recently. Where is this leading? This is the Spud Goodman Show. What else is there, man? Spud, yes? your last guest, Scott Porter, is on the line waiting to speak with you. Well, great. You know, his old TV show is still one of my all-time favorites, Friday Night Lights. Great cast, great writing, and since my high school football team lost almost every game, it was nice rooting for Dylan High, as they won a lot. You know, Scott played quarterback Jason Street and did really well, you know, until he got hurt. Did he file a labor and industries claim for an on-the-job injury? No, no, well, listen, I'm sure the network would have to pay for his medical coverage if he didn't have insurance. Oh, you, bro, ain't bro, bro, you ain't got the answers! You ain't got the answers! His character got hurt in a game, not in real life. My God, Gerald, how dense are you? Well, he could have been a victim of unnecessary roughness by an extra or something. <laughs> you know, you know, we've had a few cast members from that show on before. I'm just glad we, you know, we got him to come on. Uh, he's on the line. Let's put him through before he hangs up. Yeah, here he is. Say hello to actor Scott Porter. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm a little bit under the weather. My three-year-old Petri dish of a son gave me a little cold, but uh, outside of that, life is going swimmingly. Yeah, that's one of the downsides of, downsides of kids. I've, I've read about it. I don't have one. But anyway, well, well, hey, before we discuss your new movie, Brampton's Own, I must acknowledge how cool it is to have QB1, Jason Street from Friday Night Lights, on our program. Because you know we had QB2, Matt Sarazen, who later was... 
you know, QB1. I mean, Zach Guilford, of course. And, and then we had Smash Williams on, too, you know, guys Charles on the show. So all I'm saying is we should probably should get some offensive linemen now, just to be fair. So yeah, you've retired from playing football, so I, I had to I had to go there. I just had to just, – let's just talk about your new movie right now. Okay. Sounds good, man. You, you need to get Jesse Plemons on. He played Landry Clark. Oh, yes. Uh, the nerdy kid and then uh, played tight end for just a little bit of time, but uh, – He's, he's more well-known for a bunch of other stuff that he's done after Friday Night Lights as well. So Right. Well, the new movie, it opens in theaters around the country and worldwide, actually, on all digital platforms. So our listeners in, say, Mexico, the U.K., and South Africa can catch it on demand. It's about baseball in some fashion, right? You're, uh, give, us, give us a scoop on the film. Yeah, it's a cool little movie about, you know, going home and asking the question, can you ever really go home, especially when you've left to follow a dream. And Alex Russell... Uh, leads our movie, and he plays a young man who is the most talented baseball player to ever come out of a small town in New England called Brampton. And he goes and joins the Seattle Mariners organization and tries to make it to the big leagues. And when things don't quite work out the way that he wanted them to, he returns back to this small town and has to try and reinsert himself into daily life in Brampton. Uh, And when that happens, it's easy for everyone who stayed home to ask you one question, how was, how was the baseball thing? How'd, you, how'd it go? And feel like they've caught up on your life, but then the person returning home has to you know, catch up on decades and decades and decades of other people's lives. And it's a love story uh, you know, in the sense that it's about a young man who loves baseball who doesn't want to quit, right. but also a love story in a, a young man who you know, has... has put feelings away for people in his life for a very long time and how do you reestablish relationships that are a decade old that you haven't put the time into so that's what our little film's about in a nutshell super well before you got into movies and network tv shows you were on a soap opera as the world turns now i used to think i would like to work on a soap but we had eric braden on from the young and the restless and he he plays victor newman and he said they don't have craft services and and, and you have to work way harder he he said they you know like nighttime actors how was it for you i mean we did have a craft services table uh, but you don't really get the chance to visit it. Now, I, I only did, uh, I did about a five-day stint on a soap. Yeah. Uh, one of the leads on this, uh, on As the World Turns of the Time, Zach Rorick, uh, was away shooting a pilot, and they needed someone to step into the role. So, you know, every morning, there was a man who would announce, at the beginning of the episode, the role of Casey Hughes will be played by Scott Porter. And it was like going on uh, onto a Broadway show as an understudy, basically. Wow. And, you know, it was some of the hardest work I've ever done. They move so quickly. You have to shoot an entire episode in a 12-hour day. Yeah, that's what he was and saying. And move on. And yeah. there's, no, there's, no, there's no chance to mess up. Uh, you're on your feet all day, and by the time it's all done, you've already forgotten what you did that day, and you're focusing on the next morning. So, right. yeah, it was it was incredibly difficult. I uh, I bow down to all those people who have been on soap operas for years and years and years. You know, well, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's good to hear though that they they offered like some basic snacks, like a bag of Funyuns or Fritos, and maybe a Gatorade. But that's good to know. All right, say Spud. I hope you do not attempt to possibly have a stand-in for me do my job on this show. You know, like like have Dave on the board announce someone will be playing the part of Gerald Holcomb. Uh, you know, should I come down with a bad cold or something? 
I know the story of Wally Pipp, who sat out a game for the Yankees in 1925 and then was replaced by Lou Gehrig. He never got back in the starting lineup. That is not going to happen to my career. Um, Scott, uh, give me a minute here. What the heck are you babbling about, Lou Gehrig? What? I'm just saying, don't get any ideas from what Scott said they do on soap operas. They may be able to pretend someone's not the original member of the cast and still do the program, but that would be a terrible idea for this show. Oh, hey, that option would open up all sorts of possibilities. Maybe one show, Chance could fill in as Gerald. No. Well, you know, he would love to have a career in radio someday. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen on my watch, but, you know, maybe if we get another intern, I, I'd consider it. Yeah, sure, why, I don't know, why not? But now, let me get back to Scott and wrap this thing up. I have returned. Well, you, you just don't play athletes. Like on the, you know, CBS show Scorpion, you played a former Navy SEAL, which actually is a super ath- you know, athletic job. I mean, they're maybe the fittest humans on earth. So do you have to stay in shape year-round 24-7 for your career? Because that must be a drag. You can never let yourself go. Yeah, yeah. No, you can let yourself go. You just won't work a lot. Oh. <laughs> so oh. unless you completely change. Unless you're Chris Pratt, who, you know, he was able to find something to do when he was letting himself go in Parks and Rec and then get himself back all put together for, you know, Star-Lord many years later. Um, yeah, no, you kind of have to stay in shape. I, I have two kids, three and one, and uh, it's difficult to uh, to keep that gym schedule going. Uh, but yeah, you, you got you to gotta kind of watch it all the time. So, mm. you know, it's okay to have a week or two out of the year where you just really go off but uh you know for the most part you gotta you gotta try and try and keep it all together because uh you never know when you're going to be going out for the next audition and you gotta and, take uh, your shirt off that kind of stuff huh yeah 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 i wish i knew about yeah. that but yeah i mean i take my shirt off yeah, but, but i usually protect myself i usually make sure i'm on a show uh that has somebody else like like taylor kitsch from friday night life you know people want to see him take his shirt off people uh, not not me so, I don't you know, know about that. I protect myself. Like, I don't know. When I was about on Heart that. of Dixie, I had a guy named Wilson Bethel. He was the same thing. I was like, yeah, you want to see that guy take his shirt off? Not, yeah. Not well, so, Scott, yeah. I got to hit you with this. In 2010, you were named as number 10 on the top 100 sexiest men on TV. And the next, I got to say this though, the next year, you were number 34. Was there like ageism at work here? Because uh, how could you drop 24 places in one year? I would have filed a protest. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fickle business, the world's sexiest man list. <laughs> I guess. I, I really you know, really it's, uh, it's, it's who you're working with, what show you're on. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that first year I, made, I maybe took my, my shirt off once or twice more than the second year. And, and we all know what they're going for in the uh, world's yeah. sexiest man list. So, uh, yeah, you know, just to be mentioned is ridiculous and uh, exciting all at the same time. Duh! Yeah! Man, I mean, you're very modest, so I'll, I'm, I'll let that go. So, All right, well, I know you got to scoot, so let me remind everyone that your new movie, Brampton's Own, is now opening in theaters and is also available for viewing on all digital platforms. Thanks so much for coming on our show. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Oh, there you have it, Mr. Scott Porter. This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. All right, it's time for some more music. The artist is Rodriguez, and this one goes back a few years. A live cut from his album Live Fact, recorded in Johannesburg, South Africa, in 1998. 
Our listeners at Hashtag Radio in Cape Town, I'm sure have heard this one a few times. Here is I Wonder. Are you ready? Please welcome Rodriguez. our intern is still in the bathroom. He's been in there for over 20 minutes now, and I think we've got a call on the line. 
We should have a rule for interns that they're not allowed to take their phones into the bathroom. He's probably into some video game and won't come out for a while. I don't understand. Let's check and see who it is. I mean, I know it's not a celebrity, but it could be someone interesting. I will check with the board. Oh, my sweetie Chance does enjoy his long bathroom breaks. I usually just bang on the door a few times, and that does the trick. He must be really into it. Seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. You know, he may be your boyfriend and all, but I don't care if he scores an all-time high in whatever game he's playing. He has responsibilities here. I, I hope he doesn't put me down, though, as a reference later, as I've had it with his long breaks. Spud, when you were his age, you were easily distracted, too. Remember when you were given that Etch-A-Sketch for Christmas? Yeah. Your mother couldn't get you to the dinner table without taking it away, and you threw a huge tantrum each time. We thought you were a very disturbed kid. I have a winning temperament. I know how to win. Well, I was unjustly treated when my Etch-A-Sketch was confiscated. You have to admit that. It was not fair. I always made some really cool sketches with it. Come on, be honest. Really? Uh, if I remember correctly, they were so-so. Really? Uh, well... Just put the damn call through. Well, yeah, and I was told it's an attorney, Spud. He wants to speak with you about a living will. You don't think this guy's trying to punk me, though, do you? Like he, like he really wants to serve me some paperwork like a paternity suit? That's so hot. Oh, I think they have to serve you in person, Spud. He All can't right, do it over the phone. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, you, should, okay. you should be fine. P put him through. Call you there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Uh, Super. You know, I was listening to the show, and I thought I might get you up to uh, speed on what a living will actually is and what it can do for you. Well, do you have, like, a badge before we get going here or something? Other kind of ideas so I know you're really an actual lawyer? I mean, you could be, like, a tennis pro or a, a plumber just messing with me. Well, you could uh, you could go to my firm's website, I guess, and take a look at my credentials. And now, I, I don't have time to do that right now. The show's about over, so I'm just going to have to trust you're an actual attorney. So, let me ask you this. Do you, do you think I'm making a smart decision going with a living will over those ordinary, regular wills? It really comes down to what level of trust you have in those in your life when the time comes for those big life decisions right. to be made. Yeah. Uh, can I ask if you have a sufficient degree of trust with those in your life right now? They are not our friend. Uh, I, I really don't have a large support group in my life right now. I have my aunt here, and, you know, and, and well, my neighbor Ed and my, my, you know, TJ who works on the show. We're all kind of close, you know. I, I don't know if I would trust any of them, though. I'm making the call to pull the plug on me. Uh, and as far as Ed goes, he's a bit of an alcoholic and has a few other issues. You know, he's manic depressive and that kind of stuff. You have to catch him on a good day as far as making a rational decision. This guy's been stoned since the third grade. Uh, Spud, you know I will always be there for you. I understand you don't feel that close to me, but I can assure you there is no one more significant in my life outside of my wife and children and most of my, I guess, extended family because I have like 17 aunts yeah, and know. uncles in addition to 45 cousins, wow. you know. Uh, the whole comes, they have a sizable family tree, you know, but uh, you would still be a top concern for me. Yeah. You know, you Holcombs are lucky you guys don't live in China. So, caller, can I put in writing that I want a special, like, person designated to be able to post stuff for me on, like, on my Facebook and Instagram pages? Because because I want to keep on posting regardless if I'm in a coma or brain dead. <laughs> you know, as long as I'm even sort of breathing, I want to keep my presence, you know, on social media. Uh, Twitter, not so much. You, you know, that account can be closed. And, and, and a Pinterest or whatever it's called, that place is worthless. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would suppose you could designate an individual to maintain your social media presence. Yeah. That is a bit unusual, but yeah, sure. I guess that could be a part of a living will. Yeah, and I want to keep my serious XM account also, whether I'm in a hospital or in my apartment. You know, when I'm drooling and not responding to other others. You know, I, I think I, I would still be able to enjoy good music, you know, playing in the background. And, you know, maybe a bit of Howard, too, you know, when he has a good guest on. Maybe it you know, might just be white noise at that point and a waste of money, but it's, it's my end-of-life experience. And it only makes common sense. You know, all of that and more involving end-of-life concerns could be accomplished with proper planning. Right. If you're okay. interested in obtaining any kind of legal assistance for a living will, then our firm would be happy to work with you. Okay. I can actually well. leave our contact information with your staff. Yeah, well, here's my concern. Attorneys are super expensive. You know, all those billable hours add up. Hey, am I being charged on this call? Uh, we we got to end this conversation. Hey, uh, before I figure out if I want one of those living wills, uh, I need to I need to think about this. What I mean, how? Huh? Oh, hang up on this guy before I owe him any more money. Hang up right now. Anyway, I can assure you that I'm not billing you for this call. As you're not a current client of ours. Yeah, but. Yes, but I, 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 the, the call was terminated. You don't have to worry about a big bill from this guy. At most, you only talked with him for like three minutes. Yeah, but attorneys always round up, so it could go down in the books as an hour call. Do you know how much oh. an hour costs with attorneys? I mean, it's a lot. They, I know, they, they know. take credit cards. I don't think I'm going to be using his law firm or any law firm right now for a living will. I, I, I'm just going to like check out LegalZoom and download some forms and see what they look yeah. like. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Yeah, so let me close the show as we're out of time here. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Copyright 2018 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. <laughs> <laughs>